0: yeah You. Hello, Internet! It is I, Anne of Pikapi Podcast. I've emerged from my work coma and found a bright, sparkly new world. Like, really, we got a whole bunch of snow dumped on us. I gotta go catch me a Pokemon that knows sunny day. So we're back, this podcast is back on track with the holiday marathon. This year, it's the Boxing Day to New Year's marathon. And a lot of stuff happened while I was out, Pokemon related, like people have been playing Ultra Sun and Moon, and I haven't, I still gotta carve out some vacation time to finish regular Sun and Moon, but I'm sure it's still delightful. Feel free to tell me how it's going, because I'm always so behind when it comes to the gaming aspect of Pokemon, so don't worry about spoiling things for me, by the time I get around to buying and playing this game, the the world will have already moved on. But I want to know if you're all having fun with it and what the new features are, etc. The only news about the game that I've really latched onto is that this is supposed to be the last Pokemon Core game released for the 3DS. So I guess we're getting a new platform pretty soon. Like I said, I'm always behind on gamer aspect of this fandom, so maybe that's old news now, but I am interested in what's new on the Game Boy front. I feel like I don't need a new iteration of the Game Boy yet, like my 3DS works fine and it's still pretty rad and all my old generations of Game Boys still work and are still frequently used So to play all my old favorite games, but if whatever's coming next, the 4DS or whatever has some brand new technological leap, it's it might be worth it. In other news, courtesy of the show's sponsor, PokePress, we're getting a new Pokemon album release. A lot of the anime songs on the English side are finally getting um, their commercial release. Pokemon Movie Music Collection. And from the track list, we're getting stuff from the most recent movies, like um, number 20, I Choose You. We're getting Soul Heart from the Vulcanian movie, and that guitar-tastic rendition of Stand Tall from XYZ. Like... It looks like they may have recorded or re-recorded the original theme, too, uh, for the rec- most recent movie and have a piano version from it, so that's pretty cool, too. It's nice to finally have some of these songs available um, commercially, and it's also really interesting to read Ed Goldfarb's tweets on the subject, um, like it's not like I expect to be catered to by the Pokemon Company, like especially as a member of the adult fandom when the target age is eight year old. But it is cool to know that they're aware of what the fans are interested in and responding to questions and at, at least taking note of what we're excited to see and what we're hankering for. It, it just gives me heart. Anyway, Steven's got a video talking about that and giving you all of the relevant info on his YouTube channel PokePress, along with a video hypothesizing about future Pokémon pinball possibilities that that should be you can check out all of that on on PokePress on YouTube or his blog page, pokepress.blogspot.com. And I will also have that info available on my blog page. And I'll give you that info at the end of the episode. And it has been so long. I bet everybody has just forgotten where we are, what episode we're supposed to be doing. Well, fear not. I, I did keep a record. We are on advanced generation number 27, a three-team scheme. And there's really no worry about, you know, losing our place cuz Ash is still right where we parked him. He's still training. He's training with his team. It's it's not unusual to have him training physically alongside his Pokémon. Um, whether that's just for team solidarity, like reinforcing that idea that he wouldn't make them do stuff he wasn't willing to do himself, or or if it's just because the requirements of his extremely unusual little life demand that he be in shape. Um, but to have him jogging down the beach along with his team is not weird. What's unusual is that this time he's forced his human friends to do it too. And forced might not be the right word for Max and Brock. Like, Max looks like he's having fun, and, and Brock seems to be enjoying being the drill master. Uh, but May, May is decidedly not having any fun. The The girl's a bike rider. She's, she's only one-third of the triathlon. Uh, but they all stop, to May's relief, because just up ahead, some dude is scaling the cliff with his bare hands. Very odd, but... This guy is wearing a lab coat, so we know he's important, and it turns out it's it's Professor Birch. He's inspecting a wingle's nest um, until said wingle returns and is like, why are you breaking into my house? And Professor Birch loses his grip and falls onto a Loudred, the most put-upon Loudred in the whole series. It cannot go a day without someone disturbing its rest, and all it wants to do is sleep. Um, but since Professor Birch is here, he can catch up with all the kids. Uh, it turns out he's the one that helped Brock catch up with May and Ash when he first arrived in the region. So that answers that question. And he also thought that Ash and company would already be at Slateport City by now. So, we're back to Indigo League. Like you've only got two badges, you're only in this city, only Four badges, only five? How is it taking you so long? Gary's already got eight badges. Like, Ash doesn't even have a clear and present rival, and he's still taking flack. Uh, But he explains his rematch plans to Professor Birch and, and May's career switch, all while Team Rocket is hiding in the bushes. We also learn that Professor Birch is here studying wild Pokemon and is planning to hang around for a bit, so the kids decide further training should be spent shadowing Professor Birch. Except for Brock, he's like, WTF, I stayed up all night planning this rigorous schedule and Arceus helped me, children, you shall follow it or pay the price in blood. Ash is not the slightest bit moved. So, they go off, and we cut to a red plane elsewhere on the island. A red plane with a stylized M on the side, and some strange people in red hoodies with horns. Dun dun dun. Well, we'll leave that mysterious scene. The kids and Professor Birch go deep into a cave, but are stumped when they find a door. <laughs> Just a random door, chillin'. It's not a dead end, exactly, because the door does open to reveal a brightly lit room with bookshelves and a table and chairs and a TV. It's a secret base. A very poorly hidden secret base. Like, seriously, it was not hard for these kids to find, and the door was unlocked. <laughs> so when a little kid and an Inkata show up all miffed, I, I kind of have no pity for them. Like, hide your base better and lock the door. Or, or put up a sign, but I, I guess Ash and company do manage to magically miss any and all no trespassing signs, so for all we know, this kid did take some precaution. And he will not take apologies. He orders his Ninkata to use fury swipes and chases the professor and kids out of the cave. But the noise is loud enough that Team Rocket overhears, and they were surprisingly ninja through all of that, by the way. And a secret, no trespassing base? Of course they're gonna look. And by look, we mean whip out their Pokeballs and attack the kid and chase him out of his own base while also capturing his Ninkata. So that happened. And for a minute, we'll cut to a ship with some people in blue wetsuits. Blue wetsuits and scuba gear. feel like something's about to go down. But none of our main characters or villains know about this. Team Rocket's just celebrating their victory and their plan to use Ninkata and its secret power ability to dig tons of new secret bases for them. And Jessie praises her Silcoon and its use of Stringshot. And yes, here Meowth and James do whisper to each other, they know it's a Cascoon. In a way, it must have been a great who's that Pokemon gag for little kids, because we're talking a week or two of kids giggling at Jesse, like, that's not a Silcoon, before it got confirmed. Assuming they picked up on that, but anyone who played the games would have. But anyway, Team Rocket contacts the boss, and they're like, look, Daddy, we built you a secret base. And he's like, you built me a daycare room. And they're like, we can remodel. So it takes a bit more to impress Giovanni, but these guys never lose morale for long. They'll keep trying. And outside, um, Ash and company run into that little kid uh, who's named Keanu and asks where his Ninkata is. So now they get the sob story of how Team Rocket robbed him. But what he doesn't know is that Team Rocket is about to get some comeuppance when Team Magma bursts through the door. Like... Seriously guys, dead bolts less than five bucks at Home Depot, come on. <laughs> anyway, Team Magma breaks in. Apparently that's what they were looking for when they arrived in the mysterious red boat. It's not an accident. And Jesse and James have to defend their new base. And that goes poorly. They don't even get to finish their motto. Um they do get to take Nincada with them though as they escape. Team Magma is planning to dig through the base and expand it and dig further into the tunnel. The secret base itself is not what they're looking for. It seems what's behind it is important. Um, but instead of a Pokemon, they brought a huge old machine to do their digging. It's just this monstrosity to carve a whole tunnel in seconds. Back with Keanu, uh, he confesses he hasn't been able to win a single Pokemon battle so far. And Max and Ash are like, Really? Not one? (laughs) Even Ash managed a few wins at the height of his pathetic starting point. Uh, Keanu does not like that reaction, but he hates battling because he hates losing. And yeah, it's no fun to lose. But Keanu's just gone straight down that hide hole and just not battled, and and now he can't win anything, and his Ninkata is not on board with this. His trainers have a bit of responsibility to their Pokemon. Like, some Pokemon are happy to live with humans and not battle, and, you know, when you catch them, that they're cool with that. But Ninkata, it seemed, agreed to be caught on the condition that it would train and fight occasionally. So now Keanu has become a huge disappointment to his Pokemon. And that's why he had Ninkata dig out the secret base, so they could train together in secret. It was their special place. And Mei, somewhat hypocritically, flips her lid. Like, how are you supposed to battle without an opponent? You disgrace! You catch Pokemon, you make friends, and then you battle! Her friends call her out, but Mei is right. She's the one who would recognize Keanu's behavior for what it is. Like, he's specifically put himself in a situation where he looks like he's trying, but will never actually have to try. I mean, that secret base is hardly built for athletic efforts. They had books on battle techniques, but it's not like there was a ton of space to actually try them and no one to try against, and a lot of uh, computer equipment that can be easily broken. (laughs) And with no opponent to practice against, they'll always stay in that stasis of training for a future battle, but never really having to battle, because they're never getting better. And May is the queen of this. Like, remember Roxanne's gym? Like, oh, it's a rock-type gym? I just have a fire Pokemon starter. I can't battle today. Guess I'll have to catch the next one. Oh, there's a move I could teach Torchic to make it viable? Oh, I can't. I'm busy helping Janet. I guess some other time. Like, she spent the first 15 or so episodes doing that. So, of course she'll recognize it in others, especially now that she's sort of... Sort of starting to move past that behavior. But yeah, I think Keanu's mindset is something we all fall into sometimes. Like, I know whenever fan conventions roll around, I sit in so many panels, and I I take notes on the things creators are doing, and I think I'm learning so much, and surely when I go home, I'll level up my game by applying all this stuff I'm learning. And then I get home and it's like, oh, but I'm so busy with work. That's going to have to wait. And I can't really promote that song until I update the website and I'm still figuring out designs and I can't finish the podcast until I finish that. And I'm still waiting for that one piece of research and I can't do that until I do this. And while sometimes those are legitimate explanations, like I am actually quite busy in life, there are also plenty of times where I let that train just circle around on itself so that there's always an excuse for why I can't get the thing done. Like that old saying, like, everybody is writing a novel. Not too many people have written the novel. (laughs) I think it's easier for us to let those cycles continue and just sit in the status quo, because as much as we all want to see ourselves succeed in life and, you know, do have legit dreams, having a metaphorical battle means failing possibly more than once, and possibly when it counts. And that hurts. It's so much easier to be, I'm writing a book, I'm planning to do a podcast, I'm training for soccer or whatever, rather than I've written a book, I've tried out for the soccer team, I put my heart and soul out there into the world. It's it's the same mindset that fills the internet with so much like irony and trolls, because it, it's easier to be yeah, I made it bad on purpose. I wasn't really trying. Like, if I were to give it everything I had, maybe it would have been great. But I was only doing this as a joke. Because giving everything you have means it might suck and no one likes it. And then you have nothing to hide behind. It's easier to make a mockery that if people hate it, you're like, yeah, well, it was supposed to be a joke anyway. It's not like I was really trying. It's not like I care. Or or it's easier to be critical of other people's things that they made because even if you ruffle some feathers, it's still not your creative love child that they hate. So, which is kind of hypocritical of me who runs a fan cast. I mean, it is easier to talk about a TV show that someone else made than to put my own creative story out in the universe to battle for purchase. And not just because writing, editing, and all that would be increasingly more time consuming. So, May's not wrong. Keanu has spent his life making excuses for himself, and we all do it, and May would definitely recognize it. But I would not say she has the moral high ground necessarily to chew him out for it. The one who does, as someone who very recently gave his all and failed miserably and is trying again, is Ash. And he steps up. He's like, I'd be happy to help you train. He's like, I got a rematch coming up anyway, like we can work past our loser shame together. But first we got to get back Ninkata. And Ninkata is with Team Rocket, who has followed Team Magma deep into the caves to a strange building structure statue thing, the Cave of Origin. Team Magma grunts are searching for something called G, and Team Rocket marvels. Well, mysterious codename G isn't found, but Team Magma does discover a bunch of bodies underwater and approaching fast. Uh Uh-oh. Team Aqua arrives and prepares to do verbal battle with Team Magma, while Team Rocket sneaks in behind and Team Twerp follows the trail of destruction onto the scene. We've got quite the party here now. Well, Team Magma and Team Aqua are rivals, as some of you may remember from the games and this anime that aired like decades ago. Uh, They clash like fire and water, and in this case, Team Aqua's group, led by tactical Commander Isabel, aka Shelly, she wins and her goons go in to also search the building. Commander Harland, aka Tabitha, well, we'll sort out who these people are in their other episodes. Right now, I guess, they're using code codenames. Um, but Commander Magma, he claims that what Team Aqua's looking for won't be found here. And Commander Aqua is like, we'll see that for ourselves. So, now, both teams are swarming the Cave of Origin and getting in each other's way. And dropping hints that whatever they're looking for has extreme power, and only our team is capable of controlling this power when we find it. So now power's involved, and a rose orb, and an indigo orb, like what on earth are they talking about? None of the other characters know, we're all confused. Luckily our Team Aqua and Magma leaders are here to explain, sort of, so just hang on. Team Magma is seeking the power to control the land, while Team Aqua is seeking to control the power of the sea. Both think their side is better. Whatever they're looking for in this cave of origin will help them find the mysterious, vague powers they crave. And for all the the machismo, like, none of these teams look like they're actually gonna fight. Which is good, because neither of these groups are the ones who took Ninkada, and that throws Ash for a loop. Like, I know Team Rocket is my default, but these guys are looking seriously evil. You sure your bad guys had a talking meowth? <laughs> Well, after all this tension, the two team grunts both radio in, like Team Magma has been unable to locate evidence of codename G, Team Aqua has not found their code K, so this isn't the Cave of Origin, just a human-made temple of worship. Leave it to those ancient people to screw up all our plans, Team Magma says. Both teams pull out, no shots fired. Lots of posturing, but not a single Pokemon attacks, and eventually Team Aqua leaves and Magma lets them. And in the end, all that's left is Ash's crew and Team Rocket. Who are drawing tons of attention to themselves and and also holding a restrained Ninkata, yeah. Two out of three evil vibe teams have gotten away, like Ash is gonna take all that pent-up hero energy out on Team Rocket. Silcoon, uh, the real one, Maze, shoots out a string shot to make a zip line, and Ash is soon flying down to Team Rocket to battle for Ninkata, and he tells Kianu to help. Kianu's afraid, but Ash doesn't stand for any of that quitter talk. Ninkata's your friend, right? Get down here and act like it. And Kianu does, hesitatingly, not in any way cool, but he comes screaming to the rescue and- does by accident knock Ninkata from Team Rocket's hands. Ninkata goes flying through the air, which, since it's tied up, could result in a nasty fall, like it can't land on its feet. But Pikachu's got that covered. Ash tells him to use Iron Tail to cut the threads around Ninkata. So what I just heard is that Iron Tail can be used not just as an aluminum bat, but as a sharp knife. You know, I'm starting to think Iron Tail is the best attack Pikachu's ever had. And for a bonus, I think it's the only one that hasn't had an adverse effect on Ash. Like, Pikachu's never attacked him with that. So, hang on to that one, boys. But another great attack is Ninkata's hidden power, which is what sends Team Rocket blasting off. And that is an attack and a half. It, It sends them blasting out through the wall. For a pair that hardly ever battles and always loses, I think they've got potential. Keanu thinks so too. He's gotten out of his comfort zone a little, realized he can be brave when when it counts, when Ninkata needs him. He's not such a failure as he thinks he is, and he's actually eager to battle Ash in the future. He has to do some training first, because he knows he's not anywhere near Ash's level, but that's not a fact that bothers him so much anymore. Like, battles aren't things to be scared of. It's okay to not be as good at something and have goals to work towards with your buddy. It's okay to lose. And so the episode ends on a high note. But we're still left with the mystery of Team Aqua and Team Magma and what they were doing there. That's something to think about. Not like this plotline isn't spoiled 12 times over. And since there's no point speculating, like we know what's up with the fanatics, I'm more interested in Keanu this time around. For all people joke about how Ash never ages, which I scoff at because nobody in this world is shown aging in the traditional sense. It's not just Ash. And if we accept Batman never aging, despite having a whole baseball team of Robins who did, then (laughs) I think we should be more accepting of a world that is at least consistent in its internal logic. Ash is still 10, so is Misty, so is Gary. Brock is still whatever age he is, you know. But for Ash not having birthdays and always being 10, there is still a sense of scale and increased maturity because Keanu here is clearly drawn younger and shorter than Ash, which is saying something cuz Ash is quite short. <laughs> um but he's drawn older than Max. And that's an age group that didn't really exist in the Indigo League. We didn't often see characters who looked younger than Ash. And when we did, they didn't have Pokemon of their own. Like, they were little kids. The only exceptions were, like, gym leader families and stuff like that, where kids would have inherited Pokemon from a a parent or an older sibling, and it was a little vague as to who the Pokemon was actually registered to and if that child was allowed to enter an official match or even an unofficial match. But we never ran into kids on the road who could battle and enter gym challenges and things who were younger than Ash because he was the standard. He'd just begun his journey. So every trainer he meets has to be in that ballpark unless there is, again, a, a special circumstance of some kind. But now we're meeting kids on the road who are trainers, eligible to raise Pokemon and battle and leave home on a journey, but who are obviously not the same age as Ash. Even if the rules of the universe cite Ash as 10 and age is just a number. (laughs) However that is determined, whatever that means, characters like Keanu can have their own Pokemon and enter official battles. They're also 10. But... Clearly, a different sort of 10 than Ash. They're at a different stage of development, both physically and in terms of emotional maturity and trainer skill. So, it is still my personal belief that humans evolve based on experience, just like Pokemon. But even if I'm wrong, like there is some evidence of development and progression over time going on in the Pokemon world. So, the mystery isn't how come Ash never ages because he is, clearly, and Brock must be too, because Brock maintains the same scale in relation to Ash, as do Misty and Gary. Like, whatever the case is with May, she's definitely scaled closer to Ash than Keanu, but she stays the same. No, these characters are aging. The mystery is, why does this world acknowledge all these kids as still being 10? Like, is it cultural? Or is it an actual physical thing? Either way, no one thinks it's abnormal. So that's my digging too deep thought of the day. I hope you enjoyed this episode. We will come at you with more, one every day until New Year's. I am so glad to be back on track and doing the holiday marathon. I definitely needed that break. I do feel feel like I got my mojo back, so I am ready to just get all Pokemon all up in here. If you want to stay tuned into the podcast, you can find us on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are streamed. We're on Facebook and Twitter at Picappy Podcast. Our blog page is pcappypodcast.blogspot.com, or you can contact me also sending emails to pcappypodcast at gmail.com. Contact me however you want, but most of all, thank you for listening. This has been Picappy Podcast, and I will talk to you all tomorrow. For the meantime, gotta catch them all!